Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. I know some of you will. Um, one of my favorite memories with my kids, jumping in here, is, is uh, do you remember like swimming with your kids? And you'd get to one of these pools, whether it was at a hotel or a neighbor's pool, and you... You had this crazy idea. It was always dad's idea. I don't know why. But what I would do is I would get in the pool and I would start like making a circle, swimming in the pool. You remember this? Come on. And then your kids would get behind you and you'd start going and you're going like, we're going to create the biggest whirlpool that we can create. How many have done that? Come on, you've done it. Yeah, that's like all of us. And so we do it. And what's the best part of that is like when you, when you stop and then you just hold on into the current and you just kind of, you just kind of flow, you know, you just kind of flow. And then if it's a smaller pool, you ever try to turn around? Yeah, and like, you're like holding on for dear life, can't quite do it, and you're just, you're just holding on. Have you ever been up to the Edgewater at Duluth? They actually have it, that water park, they have a whirlpool that goes, you don't even have to make it go. So one of our things that we do as family is we'll try to like go against the current and go against it, and it's just, it's interesting, you know, but it's one of our favorite memories as, as a family. So I just encourage you, create memories as a family, no matter how simple it might be, okay? It's huge. That'll tie in in just a moment. Here's what I want you to do this morning. Open up to the book of Hebrews, chapter 2. We're in chapter 2. We're going to get through the whole chapter today. So look to the person next to you and say, buckle up. All right, here we go. Here we go. We'll toss it on the screen for you. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to read the first four verses. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. Boom, there it is. You already figured out the illustration. Verse 2. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received as just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? So great a salvation. What does that mean? The salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. This stuff, man, is so deep in the book of Hebrews. If you remember two weeks ago before Terrence was here, we talked about how we don't know who the author was. It probably wasn't Paul. Um, the Greek here is just more in-depth. There's 151 Greek words in the book of Hebrews that aren't used anywhere else in the New Testament. And it just dives into the depth of what Christianity is, and it's written towards Jewish Christians in the early first century here. Um, so what this is, there's different warnings, and you have your notes here this morning, um, Hopefully you're enjoying those notes. We want to see how that works for you during summer. But it's a warning against drifting away from God. If you go back to that whirlpool illustration, it's really easy to stay in it and go with the current and go with the flow. Okay, it's really easy to do that. But then there's these times where we start drifting away. Um, for me, I love to sail. I love sailing. That's one of my favorite things. I have a windsurfer. I love windsurfing. Any, anything outdoors or boating, I just really enjoy a windsurfer, though, you've got different parts. You've got your sail, you've got your boom, you've got your mast, you've got your board, you've got your rudder, and you've got your dagger board. And if you do not have a dagger board in your wind board, what happens, for those of you that know anything about sailing? If, if you don't have a dagger board in there, rather than going this way with your sail, what happens? You just drift, right? You just drift, all right? And that's what, that's what takes place. And so what the author of Hebrews is saying, if you know Christ, continue to know him, have a passionate relationship with him, Otherwise, what's going to happen is it's going to kind of get old. It's going to kind of get boring. It's going to get kind of sucky. And you're just going to be like, I don't even like this anymore. And you just kind of start drifting. 
I know that's never happened to any of us before. We've never drifted away, so I don't know who I'm talking to today. Maybe just myself. But here's why we do it. Sometimes we face such huge social pressures to turn our ways. How many have ever felt that pressure being a Christian in today's society? Yeah, probably most of us. Okay, we feel that. And so what the author of Hebrews does is rather than emphasize everything that can go wrong, he says don't focus on what not to do, rather focus on the fact that Christ has superiority of all. He's the supreme one. He's number one. And so we've got to put our focus there. So drifting here, the author actually talks about it in the Hebrew like a boat being carried away in the wrong direction by a subtle current. You ever gone down the Rum River? You ever kayaked or, or tubed or canoed down the Rum? You know, it's really easy where you don't even think you're moving and you look to the right or you look to the left and you look at the, the landscape and what's happened? You're moving really slow and you can't even tell. And I think what happens here is in our relationship with Christ, even as we committed last week with Terrence, what happens is we can want to give up. We can want to get to a place where we say, you know what? I'm okay. I'm good. I got it. I got it figured out. I, I gave my life to Christ. He's my get out of hell free card. I'm good to go. I, I got it all figured out. And then we just lose sight of what it really means in the moment. Um, how do we avoid that? How do we avoid drifting? Well, it is possible, first of all, to drift away from our salvation. There's some theologies out there, studies of God, basically that say you can never fall away from your salvation. Well, I would challenge that thought to say, you know, I think of this. I think of somebody who gives their life to Christ at church. In fact, I was talking to someone this morning that God's doing some, some miracles in their life in the last couple weeks. And they felt that they were drifting away from God. And I said, just know that this message isn't written for just you today, you know. And uh, it, sometimes that happens, that takes place, that's just the Holy Spirit working. But what will happen a lot of times is we give our lives to Jesus. And we see this in our church being that we're an outreach-focused church. And someone will do that. And it's just this like mountaintop Alaska experience. is so great. It's so awesome. And then a few weeks in, it's kind of mundane. It kind of becomes normative. It becomes just, you know, I'm just, I'm good. I can just get along. Kind of like that escalator at the airport. It just kind of brings you along for the ride, you know. You don't have to do anything. And what happens is we start, we start to drift. We start to realize that we're, we're missing out on how much more God has for us. So that's one way. Later on in Hebrews chapter 6, it says we can actually fall away so far from Christ that we actually lose sight of him. I pray that doesn't happen to any of us. I don't ever want that to happen to me. But this verse right here, these first four verses, it talks about how God speaks through the angels and how much more now through the Son because it's showing us that Jesus is the supreme one. Not just the angels. It says we're made a little lower than the angels. Jesus reigns superior over us and the angels. And so his word is truth right here. Him being that supreme, he's truth. And so when we look at Jesus, Jesus is this perfect balance between love and just. Okay, he's, he's perfectly just and he's perfectly love. I, I think of it like this. Well, let me ask, how many here have robbed a bank before? All right, no one's willing to raise their hand. Um, no, <laughs> The thing about, like, let's say we all go rob Village Bank later. Some of you have heard this before. But let's say we, we do it, each individual, we go and we rob the vault at Village Bank. If you work at Village Bank, we're not going to do it. Don't worry. All right. But we, we rob, we'll, we'll go to the credit union. And uh, we rob Village Bank. We take out whatever we want. And we get caught red-handed. And then we go and we're sitting at the judge. And the judge is up and he's looking down at us. And he's like, I love what you've done. I, or I, I hate what you've done, but I still love you. 
And so in this, what happens is this is the perfect example of Justin Love. And I think what happens is because of churches more like us, we get so encapsulated with the love of God that we forget that he's just. And it's this perfect balance. We're like, well, God will love me. God will forgive me. I'm all good. I can rob as many banks as I want and I'll be okay. And then we go from Wells Fargo to TCF and it's just bad. Well, what happens is the judge looks down and says, yes, you're guilty as charged. I still love you. And the judge actually comes down as Jesus and he takes our place. And so he receives the punishment on our behalf. And so it's not that he's only love or only justice. It's this perfect combination of both. That's how much he loves us. The verse talks about God speaking through these angels. And then it goes on talking that him speaking through the angels and higher than the angels is affirmed through the Holy Spirit. If you're with me, say yeah. All right, we'll get everybody else on board now too. The verse talks about being affirmed by the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be affirmed by the Holy Spirit? Well, what it really means is that if God is showing up, then you're going to see things happen. You're going to see signs. You're going to see wonders. You're going to see miracles. You're going to see people come into Christ that you would have never thought would have came through the gifts of the Spirit, according to His will, this verse says. And so do we still believe today that the power of the Holy Spirit is real? Do you believe that it's real? That God can show up and God can show off however He wants to do? I believe that's real. I believe the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe the gifts are for today. I believe the fruits of the Spirit are for today. I believe God wants to work in and through us to see that come alive. Well, then it says, without the power of that Holy Spirit leading us, we drift away. And it says, when we drift away, we lose the great salvation. Well, what is, we know what salvation is. That's, you know, knowing Jesus and Jesus accepting us as his own. What does it mean, the great salvation? What, what does that look like? Well, here's, here it is. The great salvation, if we drift away, here's what we end up losing. We end up losing, number one, the forgiveness of sins. We, if we drift away, we lose that. It's only in Christ that we have the forgiveness of sins. No other place can you have this. In fact, biblically, we see in John chapter 8, we see Jesus saying that he forgives sins, and the Jews were just ticked at him. They're like, no way! Only God can do that. And Jesus was kind of saying, it does. I am God. He was kind of saying, wake up, guys. I am God. Hold on to me, and I'll make sure that all is forgiven. But we have to hold on to that great, great salvation. If we drift away, we lose that. Second is the transformation of our character. I don't know about you, but I want my character to constantly be transformed into the likeness of Christ. I haven't arrived yet. You can ask my wife. I'm not there. Okay? You can ask my kids. They're like, no, Dad yells sometimes. You know? I don't know. Where it's at, but God will transform our character. The third is he gives us power over sin. He gives us power over sin. A few months ago, we did a, we did a series called Dumb Things Christians Say. And one of the ones we looked at is how God will not give us more than we can handle. And how that verse is taken out of context. That verse really says, God will not give you more. He won't tempt you in more than he will handle. Okay, so in other words, he won't tempt you what, beyond what you can bear. So in other words, he will always give you a way out if you're tempted. Whether you're tempted with lust, whether you're tempted with, with something that, you know, maybe it's identity, maybe it's robbing a bank, I don't know, whatever it might be. God will give you a way out every time through Christ. That's part of that great salvation. The fourth is this. It's assurance of God's fatherly presence. In Christ, we have a relationship with the Father. And he's the perfect Father. Some of you today need a perfect father. It's Father's Day. Some of this, is, some, this day can be very hard for some of you. And so this day, you've got to realize that holding on to God through Jesus, he's the perfect father for you, okay? He won't 
He won't screw you over. He won't make you do something for him to love you. He will just show up and love you, period. Unconditionally. That's the God in whom we serve. Fifth, a clear and peaceful conscience. In other words, I know beyond the shadow of doubt, I can hold confident that God forgives me and he wipes everything clean. I'm all good. I'm taken care of in the blood of Christ. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter what people say what I've done. What matters is that I'm forgiven in that great salvation. And the last one is this. It's a, the glorious hope for eternity. That's the one we focus on, isn't it? That, how many of us, we just, we just focus on knowing Jesus so that, man, when someday we die, we get to go spend eternity with Christ. Well, I hope that's what we want, but it's so much more, and I just don't want you to miss that. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Let, let me give you an example here. Um, a few weeks ago, many of you know my mom passed away, and uh, I was sitting with my mom on her deathbed, and, and uh, just a few days before she passed, I was up there every day, and, and my mom had a, a Bible. Now, to be very open with you, I wasn't sure where my mom was spiritually. I didn't know if she knew Jesus. I didn't know if, you know, I didn't know where she was headed. And I'm going, I might be the only person to have the, the faith conversation with her. And so as gently as I possibly could, I brought up her faith, and I said, hey, mom, where are you at? You know, how are you doing? And she just, she just smiled as much as she could with her oxygen in her nose and barely able to breathe. And, and uh, she had lost about 50 pounds at that time. And she just said, I'm good. She said, I'm good. Will you actually grab my Bible? And so I go over and I, I grab, she's got this T.D. Jakes women's devotional Bible. To me, it's the crappiest Bible I've ever read. And I, I grabbed it. It was written toward, I was like, this does not relate to me. I'm so not a woman. You know, and I'm like reading through it. And, and I read her something in this devotional, and the scripture was great, and I read the devotional, and I have, to this day, I don't even know what I read. It was just so far crazy out there, and it, like, just spoke to her, but then I prayed with her, and I just said, Mom, I'm just excited, and she's like, I know, and she actually said, you know, I know that in a couple days I'm going to be with, with Jesus. In fact, you know, she even told me the night before she, she passed, and I know death is a, a horrible thing, but to know that your mom was confidently in love with Christ before she passed brings such a joy to my heart. That's the great salvation with Jesus. What are the currents in your life that might cause you to drift? What are they? What, what are, you know what they are. Well, here, let me give you a few, and, and you can write these down on that note sheet if you want. Here, here's some of the things that cause us to drift. The first is this, it's time. Now, not, not time, not like, not like I'm too busy for you, God, time. Not like that, but time in this essence. Time in... God, I come and I serve and I, I pastor a church or I lead worship or I do kids ministry or I'm associate pastor or God, I serve on this team or I've been helping the widows or I've been helping the orphans and I've been doing good all the time and you start to get worn. You start to grow weary. You start to get to this place where you're like, you know what? I don't know if I can do this anymore and we start to slowly drift away. One of my good mentors, he asked me as a pastor, he said, being a pastor, if it draws you away from Christ, you're no longer meant for the ministry. It's true. It's true. And I would say that for any of us, if what you're doing draws you away from Christ, then you're supposed to be doing something else. And you need to change that. That's the time, not, not the busyness. But don't grow weary in doing good. Paul writes about that in Galatians. The second is familiarity. And I'm talking to those that have been Christians a long time. You know what we're talking about, okay? You know, you know like, you want, listen, can I just be real? Can I be real, real with you for a second? Who here is married? Who is married? Okay, I'm talking to you. Everybody else plug your ears. This is not for virgin ears. Okay, um, I'm kidding. It's okay. It's okay. You guys are like scared now. It's great. I love awkward moments. It's funny. Okay, how many know like honeymoon sex? It's great. 
It's great. You guys are all nervous right now. I just love this. We're talking about sex in church. Are you kidding me? But that honeymoon, man, the honeymoon time, it's, it's great. You can talk to Derek and Meg afterwards. Welcome to the church. All right. And, and so then, you know what happens is like a year into it, it's kind of like, yeah, we've done that before. Come on, you know we're being real, all right? And then a couple years later, and all of a sudden, you know, somebody hands you a book. You know, like, hey, maybe this will help you guys. Hasn't happened to any of you. All right, that's good. You're just too embarrassed to say anything. But here's the deal. What happens is we want the relationship, I want the relationship with my wife to be great. I want it to be incredible. I want it to be awesome. I want that with God as well. I don't want the relationship with my wife to become so familiar that it gets boring. What happens with Christianity? We think, oh, I don't know about the Bible, or it doesn't come alive anymore. It starts getting boring. Why? Is that God's fault or is that on us? It's on us because we start getting familiar. It starts to become normal and we just walk it through every day. We don't realize that God has chosen us to be believers in Him, okay? The third is this, society. Society, that's one of those currents that allows us to drift away. Modern opinion, man, it can persuade us. Do you know that 75%, 75% of young adults that go to a liberal arts college who are Christian fall away from the church? 75%. Why? Because society's saying a different thing than what I'm saying to you right now. It's two different messages that we're receiving all the time. And so we've got to be grounded in Jesus so we don't float away. He anchors us in there. Fourth is this, it's our flesh. You know, giving in when God has a way out. We give in to our own sin. You know, we blame the enemy a lot of times when really it's just us going, man, this feels good in the moment. And then the last one is, I call it the big butt, B-U-T-T, the big butt. And this is those daily concerns that come up all the time. You know, hey man, I want to go hang out. Let's, let's go pray together. Well, I, I got this, so I, I really can't go. But, 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 and we, we put all these big butts in there. You know, the time and the daily concerns of what we have to do. And, and all of this starts taking precedence to the place where we realize we're missing out. And that's how it starts becoming more familiar. All right, let's read on. I'm going to give you a bunch of verses here. Verses 5 through 18. If you're with me, say yeah. I need to know if you're with me. One more time. If you're with me, say yeah. Okay, I'm going to give you a ton of scripture right now, so just stay with me however you want to receive it. If you want to read it, you want to close your eyes, whatever's more comfortable with you. If you want to read along in your version, it's verses 5 through 18. Here we go. There's a lot of depth to this. We're going to unpack this just a little bit this morning, okay? We don't have three hours to unpack all this. I encourage you on your own to read it and dig into it. It's really good in what, what the author here is saying. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking, but there's a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of him, a son of man that you care for him? You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. And putting everything under them, God left nothing that is subject to them. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. Verse 9, but we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels, check this out, for a little while. Now he's crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by grace of God he might taste death for everyone, for all of us. Verse 10. And bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters in the assembly. I will sing your praises. 
And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, he says, here, I, here am I and the children of God and the children God has given me. Verse 14, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that his death, by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil or the enemy, Satan, whatever you want to put in there, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery of death, slavery by the fear of death, for surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. It's you and me. For this reason, he had to be made like them, fully human in every way. Talking about Jesus being fully human. In order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. I know it's a lot. It's a lot to take in. So buckle up. You can, you can unbuckle now a little bit. Relax. You made it. All right. Chapter 2. The first four verses of this chapter talk about Jesus' superiority. How he's so great. He's so grand. And the problem is if it stopped there, for me, here's my problem. If it just stopped there, it feels like Jesus is untouchable. He's like, I'm not good enough. You ever felt not good enough? Like, God, I'm not, I'm not good enough to even call you father. I'm not good enough to call you brother. And yet, in these last verses here, 5 through 18, the author of Hebrews says, not only was Jesus like all-powerful in everything, 100% God, but he was 100% human. Why? Why does that matter? And I think, I think sometimes we look at God or, or we think of Jesus today, and, and I don't know if you close your eyes and and you picture Jesus, some white dude with curly hair and a beard. Remember, we're in the Middle East, first of all, okay? And uh, we just got to get it right of what he really looks like. And I think sometimes that's, we look at Jesus in this earthly figure. Why? Because he was flesh for a while. He was God in the flesh. It's so hard to comprehend and compute. Now he's God, okay? He's God. They're one. We don't serve three gods. It's the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God. We looked at two weeks ago. Trinity's not in the Bible. It's just our way of understanding how it works, how they work. So the first part of this chapter focuses on Jesus' superiority and now focuses on his humanity. The thing that I like about this is I can relate to the humanity part. How, how many prefer Superman over Batman? Nobody. How many prefer Batman over Superman? Okay, Let me, let's say it one more time. Who likes Superman better than Batman? Who likes Batman better than Superman? Okay. Here's what's interesting about that. There's like zero of us at the beginning. A few of us now. What's interesting is, do you know why Batman movies always make more than Superman movies since their foundation? Is because no one, and this is reason, is no one can relate to Superman. He's invincible. He can do everything. And so we can't relate to him. We can relate to Batman, though. Because, come on, guys, I'm a Superman freak. Batman's not a superhero. He's just a human being like you and me, right? In pantyhose and a black belt. So... We can relate to that other than the pantyhose part. We can relate though, you know, we want, you know, we want justice. We want to do good, you know, and so we relate to that. So for me, it's easier for me to relate to Jesus and his humanness, and that's why I picture him like that if I close my eyes, rather than what he really looks. I don't know what he looks like in his glory. I don't think any of us do. So according to these verses, Jesus' humanity, it offers us these advantages, and you have them on your sheet, you can write them if you'd like but regaining man's lost dominion. Do you realize that you and I were given dominion over this entire earth? We're given that. We're given that. It says we're, we're to rule the earth as kings and queens. 
Why? Because we're brothers with Christ. He gave that to us. And so him being human, it brings back the power of that dominion that he has given to us. Second, bringing many sons to glory. In other words, we're brothers with Christ. He's the son of God, but you and I are sons and daughters of God. And so we're a part of that same fold. Jesus, it says in Ephesians, that we are actually seated right now, if we have said yes to Jesus, we are seated right now with him on his throne. It's kind of weird to think about, isn't it? It's a little weird to think about. Sometimes we don't think of ourselves as kings or as queens, but that's how God thinks of you. The third is in disarming Satan. Satan was defeated because of his humanness. Let let me unpack this for just a moment. You know, I, I think about the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and maybe you don't get nerdy like I do with this, but I sometimes think, why did Jesus have to do it? Like, why did he have to go on the cross? Why did he have to die? Why did he have to, you know, raise again from the dead? And my answer is he didn't have to. He wanted to, you know. We didn't take his life. He gave his life. And so when I look at who Jesus was on the cross, he did this all voluntarily. But here's, here's the catch for me. If Jesus was only 100% God and he wasn't 100% human, to me, I can't relate to that. Yeah, you're God, and you're, just, you're fine. You're not going to get hurt in this. You're great. You can do this on your own. But because he was fully human and walked through any of us would walk through, and he did that, I can now relate. Does that make sense? Maybe that helps somebody. That helps me a lot, knowing that he wasn't 100% just God. He was 100% God, 100% human. The fourth is this, delivering us from the fear of death. You see, Jesus' death gave him the victory and gave us the freedom from the fear of death. Tell you what, man, when I wasn't a Christian, I had three huge fears. Some of you know my fears. My first fear was public speaking. Careful what you have a fear of, I guess. All right? I hated it. I was so scared of that. I, my face would turn red. You know, I, I, would, I would piddle a little, you know, like if I had to speak in front of people. I hated it. I was so scared to do it. The second fear was flying. I, hate, I hated flying. Now I fly all the time. But I, I hated it. Like I was so scared. And you know why? It's out of my control. Some of us are, are control freaks. And I was like, man, if that pilot does something stupid, you know, what you read about in the media once a week, we're going to die. You know, it's not like a roller coaster. You just, that's it. And at that time, I didn't know where I was going to go. I had no idea. I didn't know if there was a hell. I didn't know if there was a heaven. I just didn't know if you ceased to exist. And then my third fear was fear of death. You know, I remember watching my grandfather pass away when I was in sixth grade. And I remember going, I don't, I don't know what happened. I don't know how to deal with this. I don't, I don't know how to have a certainty of where I'm going or even what eternity looks like. And I can tell you today, because of Jesus' humanness and the defeat over death and over Satan, you can have a 100% confidence that you will have eternal life with Jesus Christ here in the afterlife if you know him. It's that simple. It's that simple. Number five, in becoming the sympathetic high priest. No longer after this was there a priest. In fact, when Hebrews was written, they were still doing sacrifices on the altar. They were still taking place. They still didn't realize what the new covenant actually meant. And so Jesus' coming was the new covenant. He was the one priest, our mediator between us and God. And the thing I love about that is because of his humanness, he gets us. He gets us. He understands what it's like to go, I'm not sure how to pray. I'm not sure what to say. And so he mediates and he intercedes on our behalf between us and the Father. Okay? He's merciful. You know what mercy means? Mercy means we don't get what we do deserve. That's mercy. Okay, grace is, you know, we get what we don't deserve. Mercy is the opposite. We don't get what we do deserve. Well, what do we all deserve? If, if you say, you know, just one sin deserves the penalty of death or, or hell, 
Well, how much hell do we deserve? Probably quite a bit. I know I do. But he's merciful and he's faithful. Could you imagine if any of the promises in the word of God were not true? They are. They're faithful. They're through and through. We see that. We see that in our lives. We see that through the word. We see that through the people that have gone before us. He's constantly faithful. And the third thing is he helps those who are tempted. Okay? He helps us when we're tempted. He's there. He gets it. Jesus was tempted. Jesus was tempted. You know? There's a part where he's writing in the sand. You remember this? When the woman came to him and he's writing in the sand. And, And some people have a theory. And I like the theory. I'm not saying this is true. But some people say he was tempted by this woman's beauty and and he was drawn in the sand so that he wouldn't look at her and be tempted. Now, we don't know. We weren't there. We can't say that for sure. But I love to think of Jesus' humanness. Yes, he did it without sinning. We've already surpassed that. But he gives us that hope to move on. Let me finish with these last couple of thoughts. You see, Jesus becoming flesh was not a handicap of inferiority but rather made him perfect in his superiority. Let me say it one more time. Jesus becoming flesh was not a handicap of inferiority, but rather the making him perfect in his superiority. Okay? It made him perfect. He could have been perfect in his superiority unless he took on what you and I go through. The second part is this. Jesus did become a little lower than the angels being human, but now that humanness makes him far superior to the angels. Okay? Now he calls us brothers. And so let me ask you this today. Are you willing to serve him as Lord? Last week, we recommitted to him as our Savior. He's the one that saves us from, you know, eternal damnation, whatever you want to say. Saves us from hell. Saves us from the wrath of God. That's knowing him as Savior. Following him as Lord is kind of that next step. It's saying, I believe you, Jesus. Now I want my life to reflect that. I want my life to be imitated by others because I love you that much. I want to follow you all the days of my life. How, how many here have ever gone up to the Boundary Waters? Any, right. I love going up to the Boundary Waters. I, I just love it up there. It's beautiful. It's peaceful. It's like, uh, it's like unbearably quiet, you know? You don't realize how loud our world is until you go up there and there's nothing. It's so quiet, it's actually loud at night. Just painfully quiet. Well, a friend of mine and I were up there seven years ago. We went out of a, a little place called East Bearskin out of Grand Marais, and we got into our aluminum canoe, and we went on a trip, and it was our last day, and we were getting ready to head back. And, and I remember um, piling in our gear, and we were on a point, and then past the point to the right, you could see the white caps in the wind just blaring. I mean, just nasty coming. You've been up, if you've been up there, you know what I'm talking about. And, and it was just like... Maybe we need to stay an extra day and you go in late to work tomorrow and I'll call the church and I won't be there for the next day. He had to be back. So we piled in everything. And I said to him, I said, here's the deal. We're going to get in the canoe. We're going to go out past the, the point. And I said, I'm going to be steering in the back. You're in the front. And I said, I'm going to be yelling at you. And I said, not because I'm mad or anything, but if we turn at all in this wind, we're going to capsize the canoe just like that. And so I I was paddling on the left, and if you know how to paddle, you use the J-stroke, right, Kristen? Use the J-stroke to stay on board. It keeps you on the straight and narrow, and, and you don't have to flip your paddle all the time. And so we're paddling, and Doug, my friend, he's in the front, and he's paddling. I'm like, switch! And I'm yelling back, and then switch! And we kept going, and, and we look to the right, and we look at that landscape again, and seriously, like 10 minutes later, we're looking at the same landscape. Like, we haven't even moved at all. I said, we got to keep going, man. Keep going. And so we kept going. We kept going. And we kept it on the straight and narrow. We took a little break behind an island. 
just to get a little bit of, of recovery. And then we were right back out. We got back and, and uh, finally, you know, about two or three hours. This, this canoe trip, that part should have taken us 10 to 15 minutes. It took us two and a half hours to get back. We get back to the lodge. We check in and they're like, you guys made it back today? I said, yeah. And they're like, we have so many people that aren't even making it back today. We have people missing. And I'm thinking, what is it, like 10, 15 mile an hour winds today? It's like it's 35 mile an hour winds with 50 mile an hour gusts. And I'm like, bro, yeah. You know, we were so pumped with each other, praying for safety for everybody else. But we are like just excited. Here's the deal. It is so easy for us to drift away, not only when that current is moving and that wind's blaring in our face in life, but when you look and you feel like you're not moving, okay? It is so easy for us to get off course or to become normative in our faith and we become so familiar. You know, book of Revelation, John talks about how we lose our first love. Don't lose that first love. Man, God so desperately is in love with you today. The Father loves you through His Son, Jesus Christ. Don't lose sight of that today. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.